0: Well, I'm going to finish out my Killing Conflict series today by circling back to the same verses that I spoke from um, in the very first uh, message in this series out of James chapter one, verse 19, because, you know, you can preach something once and the folks kind of get it, it, kind of, but if you preach it twice, you know, repetition is the key to learning. And I want to take the same verses and add some breadth. With height, and depth to them, and talk again about three keys to killing conflict, because God hasn't called his people to be in conflict with anything but the devil. And that's what you call the good fight. The good fight is when you're fighting the devil, the forces of darkness. That's a fight we're all called to, we've all been anointed to, we've all been drafted into the Lord's battle. But we're not to be in conflict with each other, amen? We're not to be in conflict at home. Amen? No, God doesn't want us walking in conflict, but the Bible says God has called us to peace. Everybody say peace. Does anybody in here like peace as much as I do? I love peace. Amen. So let's read what James has to say about killing conflict. James 1.19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. Let's say this together. Quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to get mad. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Amen. So clearly we're called right here that he's given us a response. How do you respond to conflict? How do you respond to interpersonal conflict? Here's how you do it. You do it by being quick to listen, slow to talk, slower to get mad, right? Now we do the opposite, don't we? We're quick to get mad, quick to talk, and really slow to listen, but the Bible all the time tells me to do things that don't come natural, amen? So let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessing today and for your touch on this word. Help us to be a church that, Lord, walks in peace and unity and harmony so that, Lord, we can be effective against the forces of darkness in the good fight. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, peace. Peace, amen. I want to welcome all of our uh, listeners and viewers on online streaming. It's good to have all of you with us. And uh, by the way, we need to pray for our tech guy. They're having tech trouble up there because our main tech guy is homesick, so we need, to, we need to pray for him too. Now, we live in a world that is filled with conflict, amen? I mean, we live in a world filled with conflict. David the psalmist wondered in the second psalm, he said, why do the nations rage? In other words, why is the world immersed in endless conflict? We've watched the terrible sight of what's gone down in Afghanistan in the last days, and Christians being martyred, um, women being beaten, children being beaten, killed, terrible conflict. And if you just extrapolate that out to the whole world, the whole world is in conflict. We're in terrible conflict in America itself. Our nation is rocking with conflict, racial conflict, gender conflict, ideological conflict, theological conflict. Domestic conflict. We go, well, how come there's so much conflict? Here's why, because we live in a fallen world. That's why. That's why there's so much conflict. You know, people say, if there's a God, why is there so much uh, pain and suffering and all that? Because we live in a fallen world. It's a fallen world. And, and there is a devil. And the devil seeks to overturn the heavenly and eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus. And there is a an intense spiritual battle being waged right now in the unseen world that if we could have our eyes open and see what God sees we would see angels battling demons we would see the archangels battling the devil we would see spiritual conflict on a high level happening all around us because what you see physically pictures what's really happening spiritually and it's the spiritual conflict that is manifesting in the physical world And on a more personal level, conflict can come from a lot of places. Family, amen? Y'all are quiet today. You're making me nervous. Family, amen? I mean, uh, that's one of the main sources of conflict is family, friends, false accusations, difficult circumstances, all kinds of different things are causing interpersonal conflict with us and other people. Conflict is inevitable, but how we handle the conflict is going to decide whether or not we bear fruit, whether or not we have victory, whether or not there's peace in our home, uh, peace in our own lives. How we handle the conflict is not what happens to you, but it's how you respond to what happens to you and happens around you that matters. And and I believe the Bible has called us to know how to navigate conflict successfully. Now, there's no greater greater book of counsel in all the world than the Bible on any major issue of life. The Bible is the greatest book in all the world. That's why it's the all-time bestseller and always will be. Now, in the text we read, James gives us three rules to resolving conflict, or or I could put it this way, how to fight fair. How to fight fair. How to be fair in conflict. Disagreements, how to be fair in arguments, how to be fair in conflict, whether it's at home, at work, with friends, wherever it is, how do you fight fair? Because you're going to fight, you're going to have conflict, but how do you do it fair? How do you do it biblically? Now, the Bible gave us three things. Let me deal with them one at a time. First, he says, you got to be swift to hear. So I want everybody to say with me, tune in. You got to be swift to hear. The minute a conflict begins, the Bible counsels all believers it says when it starts, the first thing you do is you listen. You you tune in. We need to tune in to the person with whom we're in conflict. Whether it's your spouse, your children, your friend, a coworker, a neighbor, we need to tune in. We need to listen. Instead of thinking we understand what their issue is, we need to listen. J- James says, be quick to listen. Be quick. In other words, do it quick. Quickly listen. When conflict arises, don't wait around, twiddle your thumbs, uh, go for a long walk, uh, or lash out. He said, first thing, be very quick. Be, program yourself to listen. Now, now, why is it so important that we Listen. Why does God say, I want you to tune in in the middle of a conflict? When a conflict begins, tune in, tune in. Because when you listen, it's gonna encourage the other person to talk. Now, you may not want that, but that's a part of resolving the conflict biblically. You gotta let the other person talk. When your spouse or whomever you're in conflict with talks and you're listening, then you're gonna understand them, all right? Because you can't understand until they express themselves so the natural reaction is to react but the bible says respond with listening we react in the flesh but we respond in the spirit and when you come to true understanding then you're on the path to killing conflict so the first thing is we've got to learn to be listeners instead of reactors when conflict Arises Because it's going to arise. It's not if, it's when, and how, and in what context. But there's going to be conflict. So learn to listen. Now, now, the reason so many people don't listen, I'm going to be real honest today. I hope you came ready to grab your toes. I've already grabbed mine because I had to study this. All right? But here's the deal. The reason many people don't, don't listen we're too full of ego we're too full of pride and 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 there's there's things that uh, make us defensive so our ego and our pride and we get defensive and we don't want to listen because our defensiveness immediately goes up to defend ourselves before we've listened and so we don't listen or we may be afraid we're going to hear something we don't want to hear if we listen all right We may be in a position of learning some things about ourselves we don't want to learn. Because the first thing that happens when we get defensive is we have an attitude, I'm right, they're wrong, so I'm going to defend myself. Or we can even assume, I already know what you're going to say, so I don't need to listen because I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this, so I don't have to listen. I don't need to listen because I, I know you and I know where you're going to go. And and we could be dead wrong in that belief so we don't listen. We don't listen. Or even worse, we're preparing what we're going to say based on the little bit we have listened to. So we're already preparing our retort. And in preparing our retort, we're not hearing a thing they're saying. Oh, I'm meddling today. I can tell the wheels are rolling. It's so quiet in God's house. This is not going to be a jump up and shout message. But it's, it's going to change our life, all right? Because we've got to learn how to navigate conflict. Amen. So, so I want to give you four quick tips uh, that I picked up from Adrian Rogers, who spoke on this very same thing. It was so good, I stole it. So here we go. And by the way, these things that I'm going to share about listening, I have in no way, shape, or form mastered But I'm going to tell you, I sincerely want to. I sincerely want to. All right. The first tip to listening is observation. Everybody say observation. When you listen to an individual, listen, not just with your ears, but with your eyes by observing them. Look at the expression on their face. Read their body language. Look particularly into their eyes. Let your eyes look particularly into their eyes because you know why? Jesus said the eyes are the mirror of the soul. The eyes reveal what is in the soul. The eyes are telltale of what that person is really feeling and thinking. Jesus said your eyes are a window for your body. When they are good, that means when they're happy, peaceful, clear. We all know the difference between clear eyes and dark eyes, light eyes and dark eyes. All right. When they are good, when they're full of, full of light, you have all the light you need. But when your eyes are bad, everything is dark. When the eyes are dark, everything is dark. Jesus said, if the light inside you is dark, you surely are in the dark. We've all had uh, people in our lives who... For a long time, walked with God, walked in the light. They were full of the joy of the Lord, full of good things. And and something happens in their life. And you run into them somewhere or you see them as you usually do routinely. And you notice that their eyes have changed. Their eyes that used to be full of light and joy are now dark and and brooding. And you can tell something is going on in their soul because the eyes are the window. And when you're in a conflict, don't just listen to the person, but observe, observation, look at them and look in their eyes. You will see joy or you will see fear. You will see sadness or you will see anger. You can see confusion or you can see peace in the eyes and even though you may not be fully understanding everything they're saying verbally the eyes will tell you i'm confused i'm hurt i'm angry i'm befuddled i need clarity i'm frustrated if you look away from an individual while they're talking to you what does your body language say to them if you're looking away Okay. Your body language says, I'm not paying attention to you. And if I'm not paying attention to you, I don't like what I'm hearing. All right. So, so observation. So lean forward, nod your head, look at them, observe, take time to get a read on them. Number one key to listening. The second word for listening is concentration. First observation, then concentration. Did you know that psychologists tell us that we really hear only about 20% of what somebody says? For teenagers, way lower. Right? Way lower. The percentages go way down. But, but, but adults, all right? We, we hear about 20% of what is said. If you don't believe that's true, I'm going to give you a little experiment to try. Get five people together and tell all of them the same story. Tell them all the same story. Tell them uh, a story when they're all together. Tell all of them the same thing. And then get them alone and say, now I want you to repeat what I said. Tell me the story I told you. And you're going to be amazed at how much they forgot of the story you told them. And they, they remember little bits and pieces, leaving the bulk of it untold. And some of what they're going to tell you isn't even the story you told them at all. Now, why is that? Because when we're listening to somebody, it it is an art form to truly listen. To truly listen. It's very difficult to tune out everything else and concentrate. So, observation and concentration. Listen to what they're actually saying, pay attention. Amen? Third tip for listening is consideration. This means you think about what they're saying, don't react. Think about what they're saying. Consider it, ponder it, run it through your mind. What are they saying? Let me think about what they're saying. Let me try to put myself in their shoes. What are they saying? Consideration, observation, concentration, consideration. What are they saying? They may get the words confused a little bit. Uh, they may, in anger or frustration, repeat something, exaggerate something, or say something backward, and that's when we got to not be an attorney and try to catch them in saying something wrong. You're, you're saying something wrong. I gotcha. Uh, an, an argument is not to be a gotcha session. We want to resolve it. We want to resolve conflict. So don't be like an attorney, but listen to the meaning of their words. Even if they mess up what they're saying, listen to the meaning behind it. Listen to the voice behind the voice, within the voice. What are they saying? They're they're talking like they're angry. But I hear behind that, they're hurt. And the reason they're angry is is because they're hurt. And here is what I'm beginning to perceive they are hurt about. I can't assume what they're hurt about. I gotta listen. I gotta tune in. I gotta concentrate. I've got to observe. I've gotta consider. What are they actually saying? So so, what are the feelings I'm picking up on? What are the emotions as well as the words? So I'm gonna make up a word. Listen very concentratedly. Listen very concentratedly and consider what's being said. What what is being said behind what is being said? Do you realize how difficult communication is? We're all in a level of Tower of Babel. What'd you say? I can't understand what you say. What'd you say? Say that again? What? What are you saying? So we have observation, concentration, consideration. The fourth tip is clarification. Make certain you understand what they're truly saying. So when they're finished, you might try this. All right, let me see if I can restate what you have said before I respond. You'll be amazed at how many times when you restate what you think they said, and they say to you, that is not what I said. But I, that's what I heard. Well, you may have heard that, but it went through a filter. That's not what I said. It went through some kind of a filter. I don't know what the filter is, but that is not what I said. And if that's what I said verbally, it's not what I meant to say verbally. Well, then what did you mean to say verbally? Tell me about it, because I want to understand, because I don't want the first three steps to be a waste of time. I don't want to observation, concentration, consideration. I don't want to go through all that if I if I don't have genuine clarification, because if I don't get it, then the first three were in vain. So, so let me restate again what I think you said. See, there's always what we hear and what we thought we heard. This is free. You would pay money for this in a counseling office. Because this is where marital conflicts happen. This is where conflicts with parents and children happen. This is where conflict with friends happen. It's in the realm of communication. We, we got to try to understand each other. So the Bible says during a conflict, we're to tune in, tune in. Say it with me. By being swift to hear, by, say it, observation, observation. concentration, consideration, and clarification. Now that's the art of listening. Now the second rule for resolving conflict is don't just tune in, but tone down, tone down. James says, be swift to hear. First thing you do is you listen. And then the second thing, once you've listened, you're free to talk, but you better be careful what you say. Tone down your words. Tune in by listening, tone down with your words. God gave us two ears and one mouth. What does that tell you? He gave us two ears and one mouth. What does that tell you? It means you use your ears a whole lot more than you use your mouth, all right? The old rabbis used to say, the ears are open and out, they're unguarded, but the tongue is behind those ivory bars. We're expected to listen twice as much as we speak. Why? Because when you and I are talking, we're not learning. We're talking. And when you and I are talking, we're not learning. And when you're not learning, you're not communicating. And when you're not communicating, there's not going to be a resolve. You're going to get the top of the weed off, but the root is still going to be down there. The Bible teaches us to have a very healthy respect for what comes out of our mouth, the power of our words. Because death and life are in the power of what you say, the power of the tongue. There's nothing that can do more damage to a marriage, a friendship, a relationship than words, 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 words are those things that when they come out of your mouth, you cannot grab them in midair and bring them back. They're gone forever into the universe and they're gone forever into the heart of the person that heard them. Listen to some of the warnings of scripture about words. This is a person who talks too much gets into trouble. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? It's in the Bible. And then he says, a wise person learns to be quiet. How many of you want to be wise? You want to be wise? Raise your hand. All right. Be quiet (laughs) Or, or be careful. Measure your words. Measure your words. Be very careful what you say. Speech is silver. Silence is gold. Proverbs 17, 27, the man of few words and settled mind is wise. Therefore, even a fool is thought to be wise when he is silent. It pays him to keep his mouth shut. I read that out of the Living Bible. That is not me. I read that. That's in the Bible. It pays him to keep his mouth shut. Because even a fool, if he keeps his mouth shut, everybody goes, whoa, there's a wise man. Somebody wisely said, it's better to keep one's mouth shut and be thought a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. <laughs> Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-three: keep your mouth closed and you'll stay out of trouble. Did you catch that? How many of you like trouble? I hate trouble. So what does it say? Keep your mouth closed, be wise with your words and you will stay out of trouble. Now, he's not telling us to shut down all communication. That is not at all what he's saying. He's saying, watch your words, measure them. Uh, think before you speak. Ask God to give you wisdom before you talk. Don't allow hot emotions to take over your speech, your words. Ecclesiastes 5.3, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. That's what the Bible says. Keep your ears open and your mouth shut. So, so be careful with what you say. Now, this advice is important because in a conflict or an argument, we typically go the wrong direction with our words. That's where we really blow it, myself included. That's where we blow it. But let me show you how we blow it by laying out some different kinds of postures people take in a conflict. First, there's the judge in a conflict. There's the person who takes on the posture of a judge. And, and and they are expert at laying the blame, don't you know? Because now the argument is about me winning, not resolving. So for me to win, I got to lay blame. And that's what the judge does. They're expert at laying the blame, then pronouncing the punishment like a judge would do. They use phrases like this, you never, you never, or you always or it's your fault or nothing satisfies you and when they're done laying blame then comes the sentence that a judge would give this is what I decree you deserve for all this being your fault here comes the judge here comes the judge well y'all are really quiet in here once again you're making me nervous you get the idea. They play the judge, whose opinion is final. That's the posture a lot of people take in disagreement. So nothing is solved. Conflict is not killed. Uh, conflict might be s- uh, snuffed out or or uh, suppressed, but there's no resolve. And then the second posture somebody takes is the professor. The professor in a conflict is the one who considers him or herself superior and talks down to the other person. The professor. In an argument, he or she shows condescending disrespect for the other person's feelings or opinion because they, after all, are smarter. I'm the professor. In the argument, in the disagreement, they use words like this. You couldn't possibly understand. I do, but you you couldn't possibly understand. I understand because I'm smarter, but you couldn't possibly understand. How about this one? You're a woman, all emotion, no brains. I figured that, that's the biggest response I've gotten so far today. The woman may use just one word, man. One man said to his wife, how could you be so beautiful and so stupid at the same time? She replied, oh, that's easy. God made me beautiful so you would be attracted to me. He made me stupid so I'd be attracted to you. See, I just redeemed myself with all the women in here. Right then, I redeemed myself. The, <laughs> let's have an altar call right now. I'm, kinda, I'm sensing... The Bible says, listen to this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, there's laws of love. And it says love doesn't vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. It does not assume superiority. That's not what love does. So the professor position is not one of love and will definitely not kill conflict. Now there's another one, the psychologist in a conflict. The psychologist thinks they've got an insight into why the other person is doing what they do. And so they're always psychoanalyzing the other person and they'll say things like this in the middle of a, a heated disagreement. They will say, "Uh uh-huh. Now let me tell you why you said that when you were a little boy or you were a little girl, your mama, your daddy did this and that and that. And that's why you are where you are right now. And before you know it, you're being psychoanalyzed or they may say, do you know why you think that way? Let me tell you why you think that way. And they assign motives to the other person's heart and mind like a self-made psychologist. How many of you have ever been psychoanalyzed? Come on. Y'all are so quiet. You're not wanting to get in trouble with the person next to you. Is that it? All right. And that's also contrary to the law of love found in 1 Corinthians 13, where the Bible says love is not puffed up, it's not proud, it's not arrogant, it's not rude. Then some people in a conflict become the historian, They have a memory of every argument that's ever taken place, of every bad thing the other person has ever done. They can take you back to 1987 when you were in this or that location and you said this or that and it was on this date and it caused this and I can take you back and I've got a file cabinet that I can pull out at any given time in my mind and I can rehearse everything bad you've ever done because I'm the historian in the argument. thank you. I got an amen. All right. And then you notice when somebody goes historical, they go hysterical, right? Well, oh yeah. Well, I remember back in 1993 when you, and before you know it, you're not resolving anything. You're just saying, who's the better historian? Here's the deal. The Bible says, love does not keep an account of wrong. Right? Right. So when repentance and forgiveness have come, the old offenses ought to be buried for good. You ought to burn them. We teach a class in this church, and one of the things you can do, it's in class number four, it's Intimate Encounters, class number four. If you can make it through class number four, you can make it through the whole thing. Class number four says that you're to confess your offenses to each other and, and write them on a piece of paper, and when you're done writing them on a piece of paper and confessing them, you burn them or bury them. Because you're not out to prove who has the best memory. You're out to resolve. Everybody say resolve. Resolve. So we have the judge, professor, psychologist, the historian. I got a couple more real quick. There's the critic. The critic is the person who loves to compare you to other people. That's the critic. Why can't you be more like Bill? Why can't you be more like Jill? Why does Mrs. So-and-so always have a clean house and ours looks like a pigsty? Tell me why. (laughs) Or you're just like your father or you're just like your mother. And they criticize and they compare someone to somebody else. And the Bible says, love does not behave itself unseemly. See, you haven't lived with Bill. You haven't lived with Jill. What looks so great on the outside is probably not all that it looks like on the inside. So it's wrong to compare ourselves to other people because other people aren't us and we're not other people. We're us. Deal with me as me. And I guarantee you, the most unseemly thing you can do is compare yourself to uh, the one you're in a disagreement with to somebody else holding the other person higher than them. Why aren't you like them? Why aren't you more like them? How are they so much better than you? Don't do that. It'll do nothing to kill conflict. It'll make it way worse. Why throw gasoline on the fire? On oh, one last one, the preacher. There's the preacher in the argument. Christians are terrible about this. There's the preacher in the argument. They hurl Bible verses at the other person regarding how they should be acting. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Now the Bible is a wonderful sword, but a terrible club. I love Bible clubs, but I don't like Bible clubs amen Uh, the preacher type says during an argument the bible teaches you're supposed to forgive me that's what the bible says or the bible says you're supposed to respect me or i love this one the bible says you're supposed to submit to me and if you take the the tact of beating the other person over the head with a bible club i promise you it won't work but that's the preacher that's the preacher Miss Billy Graham once gave this advice to women. She said, "Don't nag your husband. It's your job to love him. It's God's job to make him good." Come on, man, give me a better, better show of support here. All right, all right. So, don't play the preacher, the critic, the psychologist, the historian, the judge, or the preacher. That's not what you do. What you do when you're speaking. When you're speaking, you're none of those. They will be unfruitful every time. The Bible teaches were to tune in, listen, and then tone down what we say and be very wise in what we say, be affirming, not critical, uh, uh, do your best to say the right thing, the thing that won't stir up the situation. So everybody say with me, tune in, tone down. I got one more quickly and that's lighten up, lighten up. Look what he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. There's nothing that will do more damage to a relationship than unwanted, unwarranted anger. Because when you're angry, out comes the words that kill. Right? When you're angry. James even says in James 3 that hell can set a Christian's tongue on fire. Hell can set a Christian's tongue on fire on fire. And that happens when you get angry, angry. So he says, he says, look, he says, lighten up, tune in, tone down and, and and lighten up. The Bible says, be angry and don't sin and do not let the sun, sun go down on your wrath. Now that tells me right there, there is a, an acceptable kind of anger. Be angry, but don't sin with the anger. So there's some anger that's not sin. It's not sin to experience anger, but anger can become sinful if it takes over and controls. There's righteous anger. There's bad anger. There's a good fight. There's a bad fight. Jesus was angry. I can take you to the Bible where Jesus was furious, was angry. He fashioned a, a, a whip out of a cat of nine tails, walked into the temple, and drove them all out with a high raised authoritative voice get out of here you you this was supposed to be a house of prayer and you've turned into a den of thieves and he drove them all out and they all fled at the frightening figure of jesus he was angry but he was angry for the right reason over the right things in the right way he never sinned in anger but if you're a person with out of control bad anger I'm going to say something strong. You should get on your face before Almighty God and confess it. Not as a weakness, but as a wickedness. Because that anger will destroy your life. You know how many people are in prison because of an out-of-control anger? Because anger was their master. They never learned to, to control anger. And they did something horrible under a spirit of anger. And if they could go back, they would undo it, but they can't. No. It's a wickedness. It's a a manifestation of the flesh. Don't blame it on the devil. Well, it's a demon spirit that gets on me every once in a while. Why don't you just join Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. He didn't make you do it. The Bible says it's a work of the flesh. It's a work of the flesh. It's a manifestation of your flesh. And so ask God, please deliver me from this anger. Deliver me from this problem before it hurts me or others. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, only fools get angry quickly and hold a grudge. If you get angry quickly, you're a fool. Proverbs 16.32, controlling your temper is better than being a hero who captures a city. The gist of that verse is if you can't rule your own spirit, you're never going to conquer anything else. Proverbs 29, a person with a quick temper stirs up arguments and commits a lot of sins. Give you a little picture. Uncontrolled anger is like throwing a rock into a wasp nest. Your anger is the rock. The wasps that turn and attack you are the sins your anger opens the door to. Because the sin of anger opens the door to many other kinds of sin. God's word says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, this all sounds very great, but how do I not get angry when I feel the anger rising in me? You say to yourself, I don't have to, because sin shall no longer have dominion over me, because I'm not under the law, but I'm under grace, and I have the spirit of one of the, listen, when, when the Bible says, and I close with this, when the Bible says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, those two words, sound mind, really mean self-control. God has given me a spirit of self-control. Okay? Stand with me. I can feel it in the air. A lot of you are going, wow, I'm sunk after this message. No, you're not. Let me tell you something. Jesus said you'll know the truth and it'll make you free. You know the truth that makes you freest? The truth that stung at first. If it stings, then that's an area we need to be free. Amen? Like I said, I've in no way mastered these things. I'm a man like you, uh, seeking to please God like you, with faults and shortcomings like you. But i got to share the word because this is what it tells us about being free. So say with me, tune in, tone down. What's the third one? Lighten up. So let's try it again. Tune in, tone down, lighten up. TTNL, remember tax title and license? It's easy to remember that way. TTNL, T, tune in. T, tone down, L. If you don't get it by now, you're not going to get it. I've I've done my best. I've even given you a little acronym, T, T, and L. So so when you're in the middle, uh, here comes a disagreement. (laughs) Just do this, T, T, and L. When you you get ready to have a conflict, T, T, and L. T, T, and L. What, what, what did that mean? I remember he said something. I can remember tax, title, and license. I, okay. So, so what did he say? What did that mean? Oh, that's right. Tune in. Okay, okay, okay. I got it. I'm going to tune in first. T, tone down. Watch what you say. L, lighten up. Don't get mad. Too easy. That's what I should have called the message, T, T, and L. All right. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you for helping us to be free. Thank you for helping us to have the wisdom to navigate conflict successfully. Lord, how we need your help. How we need your help. If you need the help of God in this, can you just lift your hands and say, Lord, please help me. Help me. Help me at home. Help me in the workplace. Help me with those people or that person with whom I am in conflict, help me. Help me to kill conflict before conflict kills me. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How many of you needed this today? you need this today? Amen. Amen. Well, it's 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 so good to have you in the nine o'clock service. And what we want to do is, I'm going to ask some prayers to come down. Would you prayers? Uh, just to line up here because people are going to need prayer, and we want to be sure that we lock uh, hands and faith with them, and pray with them. Okay, I have two. Boy, y'all just need to. I never tell married people to separate until times like this. Here we go. Separate but I need a couple of more prayers. Anybody can pray. Come down. Okay. Angie and Mike come down. I'm just going to tap you and just stand right here. All right. Praise God. Um, this Wednesday will be on Romans 12 and Paul's going to get real practical about Christian living. Don't miss it. This Wednesday, Romans 12 and, um, My prayer for you is that God's face will shine upon you. As a matter of fact, let me pray. Father, I thank you for helping us to have peace in the home, peace in our relationships, as much as lies within us, as possible as it is for us to make it. Lord, help us to have peace and walk in peace with other people. May your face shine upon us. Help us, Lord, to glorify you in the interpersonal relationships of our life. And thank you, Lord, for the devil being kicked out and the glory of God flooding in. The devil being kicked out of homes. Conflict kicked out of homes. Conflict kicked out of marriages. Conflict, bad conflicts, destructive conflicts brought to nothing by the power of God. Resolved by the power of God that there will be peace in the mighty name of Jesus, the Son of the living God. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.